0: Welcome to Counsel the Word, a podcast of the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. I'm your host, Keith Palmer, and today we're going to be talking about going deeper with Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Joining us on the podcast today is my good friend, Keith Christensen. I'm so thrilled. Uh, Keith, to have this conversation with you today. Um, Keith is the preaching pastor at Christ Fellowship Bible Church in Fort Worth. He's also a certified counselor with ACBC and a regular contributor to uh, the Center of Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, our resources, our training. In fact, uh, Keith and I were just talking about uh, teaching at our fall conference here. So, uh, Keith, welcome back to the podcast. So glad to have you today.
1: Glad to be back. Thank you.
0: So we're talking about a very familiar text for probably not just biblical counselors, but most Christians, and that is Philippians 4, 6 and 7. And of course, when we think about those verses, we think about the topic of worry and anxiety and Bible's admonition in terms of how we deal with that. So your, your topic today is intriguing, going deeper. Um, and your subtitle is something like, Why Isn't This Working?, and uh, mm-hmm. maybe maybe you felt like that, um, you know, as, as we deal with worry and anxiety. And maybe it's someone we're talking to in the context of counseling. And and we've gone over the passage. We've talked about how to apply it. Uh, but the comeback is, you know, pastor, counselor, it doesn't seem like this is working. So I think this will be mm-hmm. very helpful for our listeners today. Um, let's just start off. Maybe just thinking about why do we need why do we need to to go deeper? What's the purpose of maybe revisiting these familiar verses?
1: Well, I I think for the reason you just stated is that um, it ha- it has been my experience that people have talked to me about struggles with anxiety, and if I bring up these verses or maybe. Talk, talk about them in counseling and they come back the next week. And, and they may not be so brash as to say, you know, well, uh, we tried that. It, it didn't really work. I still feel anxious. I didn't feel a lot of peace. You know, what else you got? What, what else does the Bible say that we could try? You know, swipe on, on these verses. Um, and, and really because they're so familiar and, and because they address a problem that plagues virtually everyone. Uh, to one degree or another anxiety and because they promise something so wonderful, God's peace and the instruction, the key to get there from anxiety to peace is something so practical. pray. you know a, a lot of people have at some level tried and, and really if someone's coming to you for if they're coming for biblical counseling like that's what they want for anxiety, then they very very likely have already, you know, try to apply these verses at some level. And they're coming to you for counseling because it doesn't seem to be working for them. And so, you know, we're, we're at a crossroads then. All right. Well, are these verses, you know, are they the real deal? Do, is this promise good? Is it broken? Uh, do we need to look for something else? Or is this promise true? Can it deliver? Uh, what it promises, can we have God's peace in exchange for our anxiety if we pray? And I think we can, but, but a lot of the time that what happens is we're, um, if we have a very shallow understanding of these verses or uh, a very shallow way in which we're trying to apply them, then our experience of the promise is also going to be shallow. And so, um, I, I want to just help people to, to consider these verses more deeply, to understand them more truly, so that we can counsel people better to show the sufficiency of these verses to address our anxiety and that it is true. Uh, God does give his peace when we pray. Yeah.
0: yeah, no, that's really helpful. And I think, you know, you don't have to be a counselor to appreciate the the challenge of feeling like the Bible's not working or these verses are not working. So I think mm. this will be instructive for all of us. So so looking at that, that first verse in verse 6 where we have the prohibition, what are some ways that someone might fail to understand or apply what that verse is prescribing uh, that might result in falling short of uh, receiving the promises? Uh, how could that happen?
1: Yeah, good. So, so verse six, um, the prohibition is do not be anxious about anything. And then right after that is, is the prescription, the alternative, but rather in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So that, that first part, the prohibition, that, that can be uh, misunderstood really that it, in a way that I used to misunderstand it when I was a new and zealous Christian and um, someone might uh, mention to me that they were feeling very anxious, struggling with anxiety. And my answer would be go to this verse and then say, Hey, well, the Bible says you, you shouldn't do that. So, so just stop, you know, don't, don't be anxious. And, and taking it in that kind of glib way, it it, it almost seems like uh, you you're thinking that command is saying we shouldn't be concerned about things like do not be concerned about anything or do not be deeply concerned about anything. And that's just not what the Bible teaches as a whole. Uh, it would In fact, it would be wrong for us to live uh, an unconcerned, don't worry, be happy kind of life. There are some times where it would be wrong and sinful for us not to be feel concerned about something, even deeply concerned about something. So I think uh, we need to teach someone what that that this this is not prohibiting concern. Now sometimes you know biblical counselors will talk about what's the difference between sinful anxiety and godly concern, but really anxiety and concern th- those are just words that refer to the same you know basic reality of concern. And and I might show someone in in the Bible even earlier in Philippians in Philippians two twenty. The same word, do not be anxious, that verb is is used positively. Where Paul says about Timothy, he will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. If we translated it like we did in four, Philippians 4, 6, we could say Timothy will be genuinely anxious for your welfare. And Timothy shouldn't stop doing that. Um, you know, First Corinthians 7, same word. Paul says the married A married person is anxious about how to please the Lord and his spouse, and they shouldn't stop doing that. Paul says that he daily speaks of the daily pressure on him of his anxiety for the churches. He's not confessing sin there. He's not he's not saying I transgress Philippians four, six every day. He's saying that that's part of what makes my calling hard uh, is this concern I have for the churches. So, so it's not telling us get rid of all concern, but it's basically what it's saying, especially you understand this in light of the second half of the verse. That's the alternative, but rather instead of anxiety, make your request known to God. So, so if you look at all of the places where the, the Greek word translated uh, anxiety, concern, care is used, whether the verb or noun form. I think you see, you understand anxiety, um, whether it's sinful or or godly concern, under two main variables. One would be, what is the object of your concern? You know, are you concerned about the things of tomorrow or the things of today? Are you concerned about the things the world seeks after or seeking first his kingdom, his righteousness, his glory? Are you concerned about self selfish interests or the good of others and the and um, the kingdom of god and and so that that's one set of considerations the other variable is what do you do with what concerns you even if even if you're concerned most about what you should be concerned most about the glory of god the good of others the responsibilities of today well you still have to direct those things godward like that like that psalm talks about when i was afraid i put my trust in you and, and that's what this command is talking about. What do you do with what concerns you, even if you even if what you're concerned about is a good and godly or just appropriate concern to have? Um, and so in that way, it's like first Peter five, six and seven. Cast all your cares on God because he cares for you. It doesn't say stop caring about stuff. It just says, what do you do with the things that you care about? And by the way, that is the same. Um, Greek word anxiety, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Um, so so the biblical idea is not to get rid of concern, but to redirect concern first to redirect your concerns toward what's most worthy of your concern as God defines it. And then to redirect all of your concerns, even the good and godly ones to him. And especially when you see all of our six together, you see that's that's what this Command is prohibiting. It's against a kind of self-sufficient, prayerless self-talk, wherein the things that concern you, you just try and talk to yourself in the spin cycle of anxiety in your own mind. Uh, you worry, you know, what am I going to do about this? No, instead, stop the self-talk, get out of that spin cycle, and bring your request to God. Uh, it, it's a call for... Um, rejecting self-sufficient self-reliant anxious self-talk and putting on um, relying on God uh, a life of prayer and bringing requests to him so I, I don't know did I, I, I maybe spoke in circles there a little bit but th- but does that make sense
0: no and I think what you just said at the end there might help us to distinguish between a godly concern and a sinful, anxiety or worry there is um you know because like you said the underlying biblical word is the same but it's used in two very different senses and so Mm -hmm. when it is godless when it is fruitless when it is self-focused um you know that's what the prohibition is really designed to address here like you're saying it's not saying don't be concerned it's saying you know get rid of or repent of this this form of concern that is godless self-focused unproductive prayerless etc
1: yeah yeah especially in this verse a self-reliance that is the opposite of relying on god through prayer mm-hmm.
0: well, i know you're going to get there but um kind of moving on to the second part of the verse there um the prescription that we see here for how we're going to do that, how we're going to deal with, uh, this sinful anxiety. Um, what could somebody misunderstand or maybe misapply in regard to the prescription and thus fall short of the promise that's given at the end?
1: Yeah, well, I, I will, um, I'll try and do a better job of answering this one in a, in a shorter way. And so I'll just list a few things. Um, I did do a form of this. I hope this is okay to say here. I did did a form of this at the counseling conference in the fall of this talk. And so maybe if someone wants to hear these ideas explained more fully, uh, they can look, find that on the CBCD website and um have more than just the cliff notes about, about these ideas. Yeah.
0: This is where we do the shameless advertisement, Keith, because uh, we want our oh, listeners okay. to know that, uh, <laughs> the podcast. Yes. The podcast is just the teaser uh, for the CBCD.org, where we have lots of resources, including our very own Keith Christensen talking about this topic for an hour. So yes, yes, yeah, let's yeah, definitely yeah. Uh, refer our listeners to your uh, much more substantial workshop on the topic. So but in the brief uh, minutes we have here on the podcast, give us the cliff notes on the prescription of verse six.
1: Yeah. So I think someone might might, you know, quote unquote, try these prescriptions and find that uh, they're, you know, not working. I, I'm not experiencing the peace of, that it promises in a few ways. Uh, one, we could look at what is the nature of their requests that they're bringing to God. What is it that they're ultimately wanting that they're asking God for and about? And if their requests are just further expressions of heart idols that are driving their anxiety in the first place, then we don't expect that that God would attend to those requests with his peace. Because as James four talks about, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. Namely, uh, you bring requests related to your heart idols so if someone is very concerned about getting into a prestigious law school and how they perform on this test so they can get into this school, well, if, if they're very anxious about that and all the requests that they're bringing are, Lord, let me get into this school. Well, they may not feel a, feel God's peace uh, related to those requests because God hasn't promised them that they will get into that school. So you may have to address what is the, what's the heart that they're, what are they most concerned about? Remember we talked about that in the nature of examining our anxiety in the first place what are you most concerned about well that will affect what you're bringing requests about and we should only expect that God's peace will reign in our heart when what we're anxious about are those things that we should be most anxious about um, his kingdom his glory etc uh, also I would say you know when you're bringing and, and I'm, I'm pretty concerned about this next one um, we live in a very therapeutic age and so that, uh, you know, mental health, uh, self care, it's kind of all the rage. And so people use Christianity for those ends too. And, and these are very verses that can maybe lend themselves to that kind of twisting of, of the faith. Um, you know, seeking inner peace, but they would use just the form of prayer, like a religious relaxation technique, a uh, kind of spiritual self soothing. Uh, for uh, whenever they feel anxious, like some people take a bath when they're anxious. Some take a glass of wine. Some take a long walk. Some, you know, take deep breaths and some religiously inclined people, you know, quote unquote, say prayers to help them when they feel anxious. And um, so I would say, hey, when you're bringing your requests, is this just like spiritual self-soothing or is it true prayer? Are you truly seeking the face of God and seeking personal communion with him? Um, you know, I would say also, uh, and this is, this is probably, uh, a point that many of your listeners have considered, but also how are they bringing requests? Verse six says, is it with Thanksgiving? And, and look carefully at that verse that with Thanksgiving is not something, it, it, it qualifies the way in which we bring requests. So it's not saying offer requests and offer Thanksgivings. Like, uh, you know, like, Uh, thanking God for things is kind of a a way to distract yourself from the thing that you're concerned about almost. No, it it, it says that, that you bring thanksgivings for the very things. I think this is the sense for the things that you're anxious about. The thing that you're concerned about, that you're talking to God about, find ways to thank him in and for those concerns, like, uh, other of Paul's letters would, would tell us to do, Ephesians 520, 1 Thessalonians 518, give thanks in all circumstances, give thanks for all things. Um, are they giving thanks also in everything? You know, uh, not just in the moments that they feel, uh, these inner crises of, of strong anxiety, but are they living a life of bringing requests to God? Uh, you know, that, that makes a difference. If you're not living a life of Relying on God in, in prayer, kind of a pray without ceasing kind of life, uh, everything that would concern you, even if it's just, um, even if you don't experience kind of an existential crisis of strong anxiety. Well, if you're not, if you're not living a life of prayer, you may find it hard to really pray to God in these moments where you have these strong anxieties. And, and I think the peace that's promised, uh, really you live in the good of it when you live the kind of life when you're bringing requests to God in everything. And and I mean yeah I'll, maybe I'll stop there. Do you want to add in, no, add no. anything to
0: that? No, that's that's good. I I think uh, understanding what the passage is saying and not saying. It's the manner in which we're bringing requests. Not we're not just thanking and requesting. You know we're requesting with thankfulness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you know it, it. We're not saying it's formulaic, but we are saying that there's a prescription here that really does. Um, you know, empowered by God, change our hearts and and move us away from an anxious, sinful concern uh, to this promise of peace that awaits us in verse seven. So, um, no, those are good reminders. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, thinking about the, the last part there, the the promise of peace uh, again, help us understand may, maybe where are where are some ways that people may misunderstand what that means or or fail to uh, experience it in some way.
1: Yeah. Well, again, uh, standing on the foundation we laid earlier about this is is not saying that we should never feel concerned about anything ever again. This is not a promise that we will never feel concerned about anything ever again. Um, I think and sometimes people say, well, this isn't working. It's it's along the lines of, yeah, you know, I tried to to pray about these things yesterday, but here I am today and I feel concerned still. Remember what, what Paul said is that the very man who wrote this instruction and attached this promise to it under the inspiration of the Spirit, he said that he feels the pressure of anxiety daily in his concern for the churches. Well, how did he respond? Constant, thankful prayer for these churches he felt concerned about. Right? He, that's all over his letters. I thank God for you constantly. I bring requests. I remember you and my prayers for God without ceasing. So Paul models the kind of life that he is uh, commending here. He knows the, the promise, uh, in this instruction. Uh, it, it is a lifestyle daily. Uh, you are bringing requests to God. And as you're bringing requests to God in, in line with his will, which connects to, you know, what are you actually wanting in the first place? Then, as First John 5 says, we have confidence that God hears us, that God will answer these things, and there's a peace that, that attends us and related to that, uh, confidence that God hears us and his will will be done. So, um, it, it, it you know, I, I, those are some initial things. I, I'll also say it's not, it's not the elimination of the feeling of concern. It's, it is, um, it's kind of a strengthening of your heart so that your faith does not fail, so that your hope in God does not fail, so that you're able to continue to walk in moment-by-moment moment faithfulness to him. And, and you know, as you do that, though, often your—just uh, the existential experience of feeling concerned will be lighter because um, you will be casting your cares on God. Yeah. So—
0: yeah, I don't know if you agree with this, but I always thought that the way that peace is described is so instructive. It's a peace that guards your hearts and minds, meaning, you know, as we're engaged in, in thankful supplication, turning away from sinful anxiety and, and asking for God's help that that peace that is not the absence of concern, um, but it, that peace keeps godly concern from turning into sinful anxiety mm-hmm. and uh, and what the what the what verse 7 says is that that peace actually uh guards our hearts and i take that to mean it guards us from godly concerns turning into ungodly anxiety because we're looking to the lord and we are with thankfulness bringing our requests to him so that there's a there's a protective ongoing work of that peace to, uh, to keep us from, from trouble in the future. And I've always thought that that's really intriguing because that's a very valuable mm. commodity to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. All right. Well, this has been really helpful. Uh, is there anything else that, that you can think of just as a, a pastor, as a counselor in thinking about, uh, ministering those struggling with anxiety, um, where this passage uh, might be beneficial to them?
1: Yeah, I, I think maybe a couple of, of quick things. Um, one, one would be verse seven ends with a really important prepositional phrase in Christ Jesus. This, this promise that peace is found as a result of prayer when we're anxious, that, that only holds true in this sphere, or it only holds true under this banner in Christ Jesus. You know, all the promises of God are yes and amen in him. So really, I think the reason why at least some people don't experience peace after, quote, unquote, trying the instruction of these verses is you know, maybe they're not in Christ Jesus. Um, or for a believer, you know, maybe they're not abiding in Christ Jesus. They're not living with this kind of ongoing conscious dependence on him and dependence on him, his saving work. Um so I think that's important to, to point out, too. Uh, and, and then also, and others have pointed this out as well, that to consider the, the wider context of this instruction in Philippians 4, 6 and 7, you know, make use of the of the broader paragraph. Uh, verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. Verse five, the Lord is at hand. Verse eight, meditate on these things. Verse nine, practice these things that those, those are all instructions that have very direct bearing on someone's fight against anxiety and the experience of God's peace and and being able to live a life of prayerful dependence on God. And, and I would, I would also encourage you to read these verses in light of the, the wider context of the whole book. Imagine um, what someone's pursuit of this, promise through this instruction, how that's shaped if they have the attitude like Paul had in later in Philippians 4, where he says, I know how to abound. I know how to be in need. I've learned the secret of in everything to be content. You know what? If Paul if Paul didn't have that heart, if Paul just thought, oh, I just don't want to be in hunger and need. I'm so anxious that I might be in hunger or in need. And he brought requests about that. You know, would God's peace guard his heart and mind? Well, no, he he didn't have uh, a heart that was concerned most about what it should be concerned about. Or, or in Philippians one, right? He says, "I might die here in prison." So, but he didn't say, "I'm bringing request to God, please don't let me die, please don't let me die." What was he most concerned about? He said, "Whether by death or or in life, uh, I'm of good courage be, that Christ will be honored in my body." So, so I think you know, helping someone to see. Um, these verses in light of, of all of Philippians and especially the surrounding paragraph really will, will bear a lot of good fruit in helping someone to understand how to, to apply these verses.
0: Okay. This has been so helpful. Uh, you know, a familiar verse, but a verse that maybe we're prone to misunderstand or misapply. And even what you were saying at the end there to remove it from its, you know, spirit inspired context. So. Uh, Thank you, brother, for helping us to see this passage um, more clearly and and hopefully to apply it more faithfully. Um, It's always a joy to talk to you. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Keith. Well, for more information about the ministry of Pastor Keith Christensen and Christ Fellowship Bible Church, you can visit them at ChristFellowshipBC.com. And for more information about the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, including uh, the opportunity to access Keith's full workshop on this topic, you can visit us at thecbcd.org.